Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, I use the phrase good morning loosely. I mean, if you root for the Utes of the Aggies, you're probably feeling pretty good. If you're rooting for BYU, you feel terrible. If you root for the Jazz, you're feeling lousy. If you're a Cougar fan who roots for the Jazz, you're in a horrible mood this morning, aren't you? Yeah, the way the results went last night, I would think so. That was a uh, crazy night of basketball. I'd just like to say that was too much basketball for one night. There are too many intriguing games at the same time. I was uh, trying to track them all, and that just wasn't possible. Uh, I was a little surprised that ESPN2 wanted to televise the Aggies and the Spartans because that game was just what I thought it was. The Aggies were always going to win that. The Aggies are good. Maybe the Aggies are very good. Maybe they're great. But they are, at minimum, they're good. San Jose State has not been good for a long time. So to go into San Jose on a Wednesday night in front of about uh, 1,100 hardcore fans and watch the Aggies, you know, it's close for a while. It's close at halftime. And then, inevitably, the Aggies pull away in the second half and win quite comfortably by 12, 71-59. They improved to 8-1. That's about what I expected. I don't know what I expected out of Utah and BYU. I have to say I expected BYU to win. There was that. Uh, I had people telling me that BYU was going to blow them out. I was having a hard time seeing that. Uh, the Utes have talent, and they have young talent, and it's erratic and inconsistent, and it's so funny. Um, you know, obviously, I was here when Rick Majerus was, and, and Rick Majerus was coaching at the U and had a great run, and he would occasionally quote Al McGuire because when he was younger, uh, he was on Al McGuire's staff at Marquette, and they won the title back in 1977. And I was a little kid, but I was just getting hooked on basketball then. Elementary school, junior high. And I remember Al McGuire later when I was high school and college, he was a TV. Um, he retired after winning that championship and go on TV. And he used to always say, freshmen, they'll win you games you should lose. And they'll lose you games you should win. And I was thinking about Al McGuire. <coughs> I was thinking about Al McGuire watching that Utah-BYU game. You know, Ryland Jones has a layup. To put the Utes in front, they'd been down 16 in the second half. But Yoli Childs left, and I heard alternately uh, on social media that it was cramps or it was an ankle. Uh, I wasn't at the game, so I don't know. Um, even now, I'm not sure which it was. Uh, but whatever it was, he left and he didn't come back. And Hawes fouled out, and Nixon fouled out. And BYU's hanging on for dear life, trying to ride Toulson, you know, to the finish line. And Jones has his layup, and he just he just short-armed it. I mean, he was right there, and he just threw it up off the glass and the rim, and right, it was just awful. And uh, so what happens on the next possession? He's got a pressure three, and he's got this failure in his mind. He just drains the three. And I thought, Al McGuire, it's true. It's uh, 42 years later now, and it's still true. Freshman, they'll lose you games you should win. They'll miss shots they should make, and they'll make shots they should miss, and win games you should lose. It was a big three, and I thought Jones came up again big in overtime. Had a couple of good assists, I thought, and a, and a good bucket. And to me, Allen played really well, and the Utes were in trouble. They were down double digits in both halves, and they came back and won. And the Cougars were furious with the officiating, thought the Utes shot way too many free throws. I can only sum that up by saying um, it's college basketball. Many of the games are refereed poorly. And the home team shot way more free throws. I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. Uh, it was a great win for the Utes. It was a great win. It was heartbreaking for the Cougars. I get that. Uh, wildly entertaining game. Wildly entertaining. I felt bad for fans of both teams who were at the game that the thing started at 6. A lot of you showed up late. And you got the best part of the game, you know, the second half and the overtime. But, uh, you know, starting early for TV – 
When the Pac-12 owns the TV network, we can blame the networks, but the networks are us. Six o'clock, that's just not good for fans. But, hey, fans are a studio audience these days in sports. Uh, I do think there's a tipping point where they're going to have to take care of fans a little bit, but that's probably a conversation for another time. All right, and then there's the Jazz. My gosh, we got the best of Jazz postgame showing up. The Jazz just got shellacked by the Lakers. They just got worked. They got down big early, and they stayed down big. There was never a time when anyone in that game thought the Jazz were going to win that game. It's, uh, you know, we're getting to a point here where the schedule's going to lighten up, and that's going to help them, but they got to play better because even bad teams have good players. And you can lose to bad teams. They're no gimmies. And they're playing really poorly. Uh, some of the backdoor layups they gave up, I mean, that's just, those, those are high school plays. And it was easy. And, you know, Quinn Snyder's in the postgame saying, oh, it's communication. And then you go to LeBron James after the game. He says, yeah, they were, uh, they were top blocking them and went back door and they had poor communication. <laughs> like, okay, this is just too easy to figure out. This has to be fixed. And either it'll be fixed or the season will unravel. Those are the two options. There are no other options. Um, you know, will they fix it? Probably. I don't know. I don't know these guys. I don't know Ed Davis. You know, I don't know uh, Emmanuel Moutier. I don't know Jeff Green. Uh, there's 10 new guys in this year. I'm, and probably shouldn't single those three out. You know, it's it's everybody who's getting minutes is going to have to figure it out. Now, you know, we think we know Joe Ingles and we think we know Rudy Gobert and we think we know uh, Donovan Mitchell. So I think some of these guys, you know, they've had bad stretches before and bounced back from it. And this has been a lousy stretch. And giving up 120 points in five of the last seven games is brutal. Uh, and they've lost five of the last seven games. So I, I think they'll get it turned around. A combination of um, they don't want to just, you know, get punched in the face all season long and lose, be losing games by 15 and 20 points. And the schedule's going to get easier. They've just played some of the best teams in the NBA. And the best teams in the NBA are better than the Jazz. There is, a, there is an elite level in the league that's kind of sorting itself out. And I think the Lakers and the Clippers and Milwaukee and Toronto all have a claim to that. Philly might have a claim to that, too. And the Jazz have seen most of those teams recently. I guess they haven't seen the Clippers that recently. Um, but they've seen the rest of them during this stretch. You know, those teams are on another level. And I don't know that the Jazz can get to that level. Um, they're certainly not there now. That we know for sure. So we'll get the best of postgame show coming up uh, later in this hour. Coming up next, we're going to talk football with Riley Jensen. Huge game for the Utes Friday night. We will get to that. The Pac-12 title game, all the drama surrounding the, uh, the playoff and the committee rankings and all that. Riley's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Riley Jensen joins us now. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Get an iPhone 11 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. What is up, dudes? Pac-12 title game, college football playoffs, new rankings from the committee, conspiracy theories. It's a TV show. There's East Coast bias. The Pac-12 gets no respect. The Utes only have 25 fans, and Paul Feinbaum's going to hear from all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was uh there's there's just a little bit going on this week. I mean, is this 
regardless of of like the disrespect for Utah, the you know the East Coast by all these things that you just listed off, is it not the biggest game in the history of University of Utah? Is I think it, it is. Is this game is this game bigger than the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think this is the biggest. I mean, because it's all for naught. It doesn't even matter if they lose this game, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and I think I think lost in all of this is there was a debate when they joined the Pac-12. How long is it going to take to win a Pac-12 title? Five years, ten years. There were plenty of people who thought twenty-five years. It could take right. it could take generations to. And so here it is, year nine, yeah. and a group that's been there before. That in the words of Zach Moss, eh, was a little bit of happy to be there last year, and now it's like win or bust. I thought win. I thought or uh, bust. that Riley would be dead before the Utes got in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of whether it's Rose Bowl or playoff. To be the Pac-12 championship after nine years in the league, that's a huge accomplishment. And there's nothing between Friday night at you know nine or ten o'clock, whenever the game wraps up, however long it goes, until the committee announces Sunday morning. Like, can't we at least for 36 hours recognize Pac-12 championship is a massive accomplishment, regardless of what comes next? Yeah, I mean, we should recognize that. I think I, I, but but all of these things play to everybody's fears around here, right? Like, I just feel like, and and this could be this could be just my Utah State blood speaking, but I feel like people in Utah generally have just a little bit of a chip on their shoulder anyway. That that it's a disrespected place, that it's a misunderstood place. Whether whether you're Utah, BYU, Utah State, I feel like the state we're. And I can't speak for everyone, but my observation is we're just a little bit sensitive about national press and all those things. Instead of just, you know, we got to get a little bit more PK in us, and we just don't care what people think about us. Just who, who the freak cares? Take care of it on the field. Go win the Rose Bowl if that's where they put you. Go win a playoff game if that's where you put you. And 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 everybody just take a deep breath and realize that none of those things that are going on are controllable. None of them. You can't control any of it. No, not once you get into the beauty contest aspect of it. That's what it ends up being. And so you're right as far as that goes. Win all your ball games. And I've been saying this for weeks, too. You go 13-1 and with a Rose Bowl victory and, as DJ is talking about, a Pac-12 title in your ninth year. That's pretty doggone impressive. I think the Devils got one in their ninth year uh, when they joined the conference back in the late 70s. And so in 86, the 85, they got one. So that is important, and it really sets up your program. And then you start from Kyle's perspective. You just start establishing. He's already established it, but you really cement your legacy. And then you think about uh, adding to it. If he, you know, I've heard rumors, not necessarily rumors, but I've heard thought that uh, he may quit this year or – you know, certainly in the next couple of years, three years or so, and then you've put the program in good shape, and you leave like a king in the manner that Lavelle Edwards left. I mean, there's no there's no argument against that. The foundation the foundation to me has already been laid. I mean, last year they won the Pac-12 South. They played in the championship game. If they win the championship game and the Pac-12 this year, I mean, the foundation is laid and. I don't know if I got it from Kyle. I've, I've, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I say, I've just stolen from people. Let's be honest. But, 
there's there's a quote out there that you just you can't you can't skip steps on the way to a championship. You have to build it. it it, very rarely do you get these overnight successes where you just go in and, and you just dominate the Pac-12 and win it, right? And it's been a process, and it's been something that they believed in, and they believe in certain fundamentals and certain type of football at the University of Utah, which is play really good defense, play special teams well, run the ball on offense, take care of the football. And there could have been panic there after year two in the Pac-12, right? Like, oh, we got to go out, we got to – we, we got to redesign everything. And I think in some ways, Kyle didn't do everything perfectly with offensive coordinators and those sorts of things, but he certainly had his core values and beliefs that he stuck to. And it's worked. It's worked. And if, if, if they win the Pac-12 championship this Friday night, it's reason for a huge celebration. It's a huge feather in his cap. And I think he can he can walk out of here whenever he wants to and realize that that he left this program in a fantastic place. I mean, it, it's it, all these games, it, even as a you know like just an observer, like this is exciting. It's exciting. I'm driving down my neighborhood. Everybody has Utah flags out. It's not even game day. It's all week, right? Right. I and, know. I got mine. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> And it's it's just an exciting feel, and people are excited, and they're nervous, and Paul Feinbaum says something, and everybody's going crazy, and you know. But you have to understand that some of these things that are coming out, it's no different than BYU in 1984. It hasn't changed in years. I don't I don't know why Utah expected Utah fan expected anything different from the national media. I, I just I'm kind of surprised that everybody's got their you know, they're, they're all upset about it. Well, it's not everybody in the national media. Brian Greasy at the end of broadcast was showering praise over him. Kirk Herbstreet said a bunch of nice things about him. Dennis Dodds has written good things. But right. it's Brando, like you say Brando there's this— said nice things. Right. Tim Brando, you're right. And so, but there's the chip on the shoulder. There is, you know, Dick Bavetta's bad call 20 years ago, what people said about BYU 35 years ago. It never really goes away. East Coast bias feels baked in. So— you don't hear the three or four people who say something good, and then one get one or two guys say something negative, and you definitely hold on to that. That's what resonates. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 really quite incredible. But I, I I just keep going back to the fact that this is a really really great football team. I mean, look at guy. I mean, and and I said it earlier in the year. I think it was after the Washington game. I think the thing that's the most fun for me is watching different players step up every. I mean, now it's Keithy, right? The last two weeks, Keithy has just been amazing. You know, against Washington, you know, you had Nakua making plays, and you had you just have all kinds of different guys making plays on this team, and that's to me that's what championship teams are all about. Nobody seems to care who gets credit on this team. Nobody cares about who's who's the star. Everybody seems to care about winning, and it's it's a fun team. And I, for me to say that I'm. I'm pretty critical of offense, and if offenses aren't super exciting, I'm usually not I'm not that interested in watching it. This is a team that pounds the rock, that is surgical in their passing game, but it's a fun team to watch offensively as well. And it's 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 pretty fascinating to watch this team come together. And there's a lot of confidence up on the hill right now that they can win and that they can win football games. And I wouldn't be surprised that if they do get into the playoff, that they really kind of show the world what this program is all about and how defense and special teams and taking care of the football matters uh, on the college level. 
How do you explain the incredible improvement Huntley has made from sophomore to senior year? Well, first of all, he's he's played in a lot of games. I think. Secondly, there's there's just a maturity that takes place as a quarterback. Um, the more games that you get to play, the the more that you start to understand the game. And then I just I don't think that you can take away from the fact that having a new offensive coordinator, getting a new set of eyes on things, and being able to look at things the way Andy Ludwig does and really buying into that. I mean, you have to give some credit to Tyler Huntley for buying into it. Not every quarterback is okay with going, you know, 13 for 16 for 190 yards and one touchdown and and thinks like, okay, that's that's an awesome game. It really is an awesome game, and it's really good for this team. So for him to buy into it, I think that, that takes a lot of maturity, that, that takes a lot of understanding of what it takes to win. And I think I think that Andy Ludwig has done a, a, a great job of convincing him with, with whatever it is, with just the way that he coaches or with the credibility that he has coming from some SEC and um, Big Ten programs or whatever whatever it is, he's done a great job of indicating to him how important it is to take care of the football, that you can have a big year and still receive lots of accolades if you play football this way. And I, I just I, – I'm not sure that if I was a quarterback that I could have taken that feedback going into my senior year and really bought all the way in. I would have wanted to be the guy that's thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns and and feeling like I earned my spurs to be able to really let it rip my senior year. And so uh, you have to you have to be um, incredibly complimentary with the way that Huntley's played because it takes a lot of discipline to play the football that he's playing right now. You mentioned Andy Ludwig and everything in a good offense, you know, everything builds on the thing that came before it and whatever you do, there's an answer for it, but there's a counter to it. So obviously this tight end sweep is just crushing people. They run it five times for Keithy. He's got three touchdowns on the five carries and he's got a 44 yard carry on one of the two that didn't end up in the end zone. That's going to get overplayed by Oregon and taken away, I would assume. What's the counter to it? What should we be looking at? Because there must be a big play going to the backside, right? Well, yeah. There's, I mean, there's all the the, the fun thing about a play like that is there's all kinds of counters to it. There's you, you can fake the handoff and then hand off to another running back. You can you can fake the handoff and go play action and go deep to somebody else. Uh, there's there's all kinds of things. There's counter. Uh, a counterplay, meaning it looks like everything's going to the left. You fake the sweep, and then you run a co- counter backside because everybody's over-adjusting to that sweep play. But I think the thing that's interesting is, um, you know, it's not like Colorado didn't see that play three, four times the game before. And so but Andy's smart enough to know, like, hey, we're going to keep this in there. And if they really don't adjust the way that they're supposed to adjust, we're still going to run that play. I think sometimes, and and this is just my experience with being an offensive coordinator, sometimes you outsmart yourself in the sense of like, well, they're for sure going to adjust to that this week, right? They for sure saw it on film. There's no, there's no way that they're not going to take it away. And then all of a sudden you come out and they're given a look that totally has the play there. And you're like, man, I, why didn't I practice that play this week? I guess we can try and run it. And And so I think there's a lot of credit to him that, He's not afraid to run it. If they're if they're going to give him the look that he sees that can make that play work, he'll run it again. And then if they don't, he'll have three or four counters to it that are going to be big plays. And 
quite frankly, the reason why that play works is because there's a lot of other plays that are working when they send him in motion and when they do different things with the tight end. And so it, it puts defenses in a bind. That play, because it hits quickly and because Keithy's a, a pretty skilled runner for a tight end, um, it just puts teams in a bind. And there's so many different things that the University of Utah offense throws at you right now. And I know it doesn't seem like it because you're like, oh, this is a running team, but they're running power. They're running zone. They're running quick speed sweep. They're running trap on you. They're running different looks on you that just make it really difficult to cover all the different things that they're doing in the run game. So you have just been appointed Oregon's defensive co- or excuse me offensive coordinator. What type of game plan are you putting together to face Utah's defense? <clears throat> well, there's kind of two approaches when, when you're playing against the University of Utah defense. Um, I think First of all, there's going to be all kinds of crossing routes, and this is what a lot of teams have done against the University of Utah. And when I say crossing routes, what they're trying to do is they're trying to rub two receivers together, maybe across the middle, maybe on the outside, to make it difficult for DBs to cover them in a man-to-man scheme. And a lot of teams have done that, but, but I think if I'm the offensive coordinator for Oregon, what I'm worried about more than anything is just the ability to block people up front. And so... You really want to try and establish your run game, which is really tough against the University of Utah because they're, they're a tough run defense. But if you can get some slivers in the run game and you can set up some play action where you can go max protect, meaning two running backs in blocking, maybe even your tight end stays in and blocks, and you run a two-man route with your receivers against a man-to-man defense, then you can get some shots downfield and you can feel like you're protected and you can throw some third downs. But – that's all predicated on the fact that you think that you have two receivers um, that can get open in man-on-man, and one of those guys probably isn't going to get open against Jer- against Johnson on the outside. So really, you're looking at a one-receiver route, and you're saying, okay, I think we can beat this guy. I think maybe I can beat a safety going one-on-one. And when you look at the safeties for the University of Utah, you got Julian Blackman, who used to play corner, who's now playing safety, so that's a difficult play. And then on the other side, it's, it's, it's a difficult play as well. So you have your hands full when you're playing against the University of Utah because you can sacrifice protection to get more receivers into a route, or you can protect, and you really only have a one receiver route. And so I think it's a difficult task. You've got to hope and you've got you to gotta think that one of your receivers can get open against those guys and really win the one-on-one battle. And that's what I'd be stressing is, okay, we got to make sure that we get off the ball well. we got to make sure that we're running crisp routes because we're not going to have huge throwing lanes and we're not going to have a ton of time. So we got to win these one-on-one throwing matchups and really preaching that to the wide receivers that we have to be good and we have to be crisp this week. So when you factor in rain is expected all weekend and you factor in there could be – 20-mile-an-hour wins, how much is that going to change both teams' game plans? Well, it's not going to change Utah's plans very much. Uh, I mean, they're going to run the ball. I think Oregon, and with their coach and, and their style, they, they've probably thrown the ball more than they want to. They probably really want to run the ball against the Utes, but I think, I think that weather is advantage Utes all the way. Um, the wind would be more of a factor than rain to me. As far as throwing the ball in college, the the balls are taken care of. It's really not that wet, in, in, unless it's just a completely torrential downfall. 
but wind has, seems to have more of an effect and more of a psychological effect on quarterbacks than than rain does to me. And so I, I think that's advantage Utah. They run the ball anyway. They want to run the ball, and then they're going to take surgical strikes downfield when it's open. Surgical strikes downfield. I like it, man. No, they do. I mean, that's that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just it's really well thought out. They bring people up into the box. They tell you that you got to take away the run game. They stay with the run game, and then there's things that are wide open downfield. And Huntley just really hasn't missed this year. He's been he's been really accurate downfield on those big plays, and that it hurts, man. Those are those are painful throws. The throws that Tyler Huntley are getting, there's not a lot of them, but the three or four strikes a game are just like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like the difference between like World War II bombers when you're throwing them all over the place and and modern day warfare where you're dropping one bomb and it's got a little smart computer on the end of it and you're throwing it right where you want it, right? Wow, I got Norman Schwarzkopf <laughs> over here. Norman Schwarzkopf. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, you know, they just, like, they just threw a, a, a bunch of bombs down hoping they got the target. Now it's like, now we're going to use one bomb and it's going to hit right where we want it. And that's, that's really what the University of Utah's offense is. Like, look, we're not going to throw that many. But four of them are going to be, like, devastating. <laughs> well, this is a show that started with threats of physical violence is now escalated to uh, computerized warfare. <laughs> All that's, right, that's, Admiral. Nice talking to you. <laughs> Admiral Nimitz, thank you. Hey, if I wasn't being mocked by you guys, it wouldn't be a good show. This is, this is fun. <laughs> this is what we do. There it is. All right, well, Riley, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, I love coming on your show. Thanks, guys. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider, when we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Jazz get outclassed by the Lakers. The Lakers are 19-3 and and looking awesome. What went right for the Lakers and what went wrong for the Jazz? Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz fall to the Lakers last night, 121-96. to uh, LeBron James had a great game, 20 points, 12 assists. Uh, Anthony Davis was great as well, 26 points on 9 of 11 shooting. How about that? He also had three block shots. Uh, the Jazz in the loss were led by Donovan Mitchell's 29 points on 11 of 24 shooting. Bogdanovich, uh, 23 points, 6 of 15 shooting. He was 6 of 10 from 3, nine Nice night for him. Rudy Gobert, 13 points uh, and 10 rebounds. So let's now uh, get to some postgame sound. Let's start with uh, the podium and Quinn Snyder. Quinn, they had a 32-5 to fast break point advantage. Just what did you see kind of on both ends on the in the transition game? Well, I, you know, it comes, some, it comes a lot of ways, whether it's we had a lot of good looks um, in the paint in the first half. And when you don't finish... Um, I thought, you know, we got threes and we got to the rim. Um, when you don't finish, it's very difficult to defend. If you turn the ball over, it's very difficult to defend. And then, you know, the, there were a number of times when we didn't run back 
as hard as we need to. It's that simple. They 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 ran the court harder than we did, and you know you can get away with that sometimes. But against a team that runs and pushes and is athletic as they are, you know they need to see bodies. So um, I think those those three areas, you know, you can dissect certain plays, but those are kind of sweeping categories that that end up in transition baskets, whether it be threes or, or layups, but high percentage shots. Going bigger picture than just this game, mm-hmm. the Jazz were number one or two in defensive numbers through mm-hmm. about 15 games, but in the last seven, mm-hmm. five times you've given up 120 points. What's the bigger trend across these seven games? Well, I think at the beginning of the year, um, there was a determination and a focus defensively, and it, you know it, it showed. Um, more recently, um, we've allowed other things, whether it be a missed shot, so the perception of a bad call, you know, a turnover. Everything's lingered. Um, so our, our inability to get to the next play, um, I think, has hurt our defense. And that um, not being collectively focused on something that's that requires five guys playing together you know whatever your um you know those breakdowns can occur so many different ways but invariably the, the the common thread is probably some sort of miscommunication sometimes it's silence sometimes you know somebody does something you don't see like it it, it that's where it stems from where you're not you know, playing as a unit, and it's you know, no one player can can guard five guys. Sometimes you you have there's a matchup situation where it's difficult to guard your man, and that's when you need help. And you know, that's I think something that, that we have been good at this year. And but if your nine mind isn't focused on, if it's not a priority, if there's other things that you're thinking about. Um, becomes difficult to do and, and it shows up and I think that's where whether it's changing ends in transition um, you know a missed block out a blown assignment not talking all, all those things um, we've had slippage as well you know and, you know I think just sometimes working on something and, and habitually working on provides that emphasis but you know that's not an excuse we have to be able to guard whether or not we you know you know have the mental picture you know that's why you have a walkthrough that's why you talk about it that's why you gotta we gotta execute seems like there were higher quality shots in the first half did you Mm -hmm. see that from your offense um yeah i i I think you know a lot of things with shot quality um you want open shots you know and the more open the better sometimes you want um, like I like Boyan shooting a contested shot from three early in the clock on a kick ahead. Those are good shots. So I thought we did get. I thought Donovan did an excellent job of you know getting to the rim, um, making good decisions, and his he missed some, um, and that'll happen against their rim protection. So you're never happy when the ball doesn't go in as much as you want. But I think that's something for the players to to understand. Is it's not okay, but. You know, it's 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 a good thing that you're generating good shots, and that's that's something you can't always control whether they go in, but you can seek to control um, 
you know that that part of the game. You know, I think you know again. I think in the first half we did a really good job of that. We we hurt ourselves offensively at the end of quarters, you know, and that against a team that's that's good. And to me, that's just you know again you know us being focused and mentally right because those are situations we we know. You've done some tinkering with the bench rotation. Obviously, Mike Conley being out had to change things. Have you got a few more ideas you want to tinker with? Because it seems like there's still runs against the bench that are a problem. Well, you know, we've we've. You're right. It's you know, we've made you know kind of different decisions. Um, it's a delicate thing that you you're going to play different combinations. You have to be careful that. You know, you don't overreact to something that happens. So that's why you watch film. Um, try to give those those decisions and opportunities time to breathe. Um, but obviously, when um, when you're trying to figure that out, you're looking at different combinations and how the guys can play together. Sometimes it's matchups which change it. Sometimes it's injuries. So that's something that we've got to continue to look at and work on. Thanks, okay. Thanks, coach. All right. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team lost last night, 121-96. to Let's now hear from some players. Let's start things out with Donovan Mitchell. Um, our precision, uh, we turned the ball over, you know, uh, simple mistakes. You know, I think um, stuff that we can control. I think you look at what we did at the beginning of the year, how we took care and shared the ball, and then what we're doing the past six games is it's not who we are. And, um, you know, there's not really much coach can say. It's really just on us in the locker room uh, to figure it out. Can you point to a reason why the defense has slipped over the last seven or so games? We've turned the ball over. It's hard to execute on, on defense when you turn the ball over like that and you got to run back and then you got shooters, then you got, you know, Anthony Davis running the lane, you got Brown running the lane, you got Siakam, you know, there's so many, like, so many different things um, that you can really point to, but I think just being more precise. Um, like, like me throwing a lot from half court, like, you know, understanding that that's not going to be there against that team, like little things that you just know um, that we just got to be able to to work on. When you're on the court, you're having a conversation with Boyan. You always feel like these are productive conversations yeah. and they're helping you guys. I think, I think that was one of the most productive ones we've had. I think there are times we need to go back and forth. You know, at the end of the day, it was my fault. You know, and he let me know it. And I think that's what makes us better. You know, a lot of times when you have a group that's so connected like we are, um, ten times to kind of be nice. You know, no, like, you know, let each other have it. You know, I think that's that's what makes us better. You know, and I think um, having a guy like that, you know, being able to, like, explain to me what I did wrong while, you know, it may look like it's aggressive, but he's explaining to me. And I think, obviously, we figured it out six points later. But, you know, I think that's that's what we need. We need that energy and that fight. Um, and we, we haven't really had it fully. You know, we've had it in spurts, but we haven't had it fully. How do you right guys now, fight it, through this? How do you guys fight through this uh, on, on and off the floor, in the locker room, on the floor, execution-wise, effort-wise? Uh, man, that's a good question. I mean, um, this. I think for me, I think for us, I think we just gotta continue to um, to just stay with each other. You know, what I mean, it's easy to kind of point. You know, who's there, who's that, and you know, in times like this, you know, no offense to you guys, but allowing that to kind of create the the, the pull. You know, away from I think, like I said, we have guys that 
genuinely want to be around each other, and I don't think that that separation separation is going to be there. So we got to be able to first have that, which we do, and then we got to come in and look ourselves in the mirror, uh, all 15 of us. You know, stuff that I could do better. Uh, Rudy, Dante, Jeff, Mike, Joe, like being able to take that accountability. You know, I think being able to like like he was saying, like I say with Boyan, being able to hold each other accountable. You know, when it's necessary. I think that's that's huge. You know, we were we're nice, we're nice to each other, but we got to be able to make sure, like, look, we we got to pick this up, and I think we all know it. Um, but yeah. How do you work on the mental approach? Because right now it seems like even when you talk about those turnovers, a lot of that's mental mistakes. Yeah, I mean, just being more precise. I think being sure with what you want to do. You know, I think that's that's really what it is. Coming in the coming into the paint, understanding like, all right, like knowing what's going to be there, and then understanding that if it's not there, having a counter to it. Just being like, just when I keep saying precise, like just being forceful. You know, um, being sure. You know, the first like six or eleven points. You know, we were sure we wanted to do Bojan shot of three. Joe shoots his three. You know, we're getting out in transition. We know what we want. You know, there was a time where Royce drove the ball, even though he got blocked. Be sure of what you're doing. Like I'll take that. You know, I think that's that's one of the things we got to be sure of. Like just go out there and just be strong with it. You know, and if they block it, they block it. They miss, they miss. You know, like um, I think that's that's where we got to be. There's no getting around that right now it's kind of a low point in the season, the way these, this last stretch of games has gone. How do, you, how do you treat that? How do you respond to it? You know, come and show up to work, you know. And that's that's really what it is. You got to show up and you got to be able to have the right attitude. You know, you can't come in here and say, all right, well, you know, I had a good game or, you know, well, I did this or, well, you have to do that. Like, no, like, so all look at each other in, in, in the mirror. I think look at each other and be like, look, this is what we got to do. And, you know, it's, it's so easy to say, like, and to be honest with you guys, I'm, it's the point where I've said the same thing like the past six games. It's just like, man, it's just repetitive and we got to figure it out. Um, that's all I got. Thank you. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you. There's Donovan Mitchell, who uh, obviously is is frustrated and wants to to uh, this team to stay together, stick together, and fight through this adversity. Uh, 29 points last night, 11 of 24 shooting. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. Rudy, you've had a few of these stretches during your time with the Jazz. Does this one feel any different, though? I mean, they're all different, but obviously this year the expectations are higher. You know, we... We hold ourselves at higher standards, so you know it's um, every loss is is when a loss today is not like the last six years ago. You know what I mean? Six years ago when we lost, we just like okay, we're just learning. Today we we want to win every night, especially at home. You know, so it's a uh, yeah, it's a really tough stretch. Kind of related to that. Is it feel like because you know the Lakers will be your playoff competition, or probably would be at some point that you know that they are a measuring stick that you guys want to reach at this season, even? Yeah, you know we are definitely one of the best teams this year in the league, one of the contenders, and those are the teams that I mean we we think we contend too. We're not playing like it right now, but that's the standards that we want to have for ourselves. And you know tonight we saw that you know that team. I mean, every minute on the court, they take every everything seriously, you know, and that's not what we've been doing. Where does that focus go when it's not, <laughs> you know, on the game? You know, what what has changed about the focus in the last seven or so? I mean, I think we just gotta come together, you know, instead of everyone going in different different directions. Um, we do it at times, you know, but not all the time. Or maybe, you know. Sometimes, I mean, we, I mean, traveling and all that, you know, when you're tired, 
everything becomes a little harder. And in those those moments, that's when we have to be even more together. This might be hard to answer, but how do you get out of a stretch like this? How do you dig yourself out of the hole? I mean, we're 12 and 10. Uh, we, I mean, besides Mike, we don't have any injuries right now. Uh, so, you know, it's get back to work and still enjoy the game, you know, because it's the most important thing to, to have fun when you play. But, you know, maybe uh, come back a little tougher next game and, you know, try to, we say it every night, but communication and all these little things that can that can help help each other and, you know, and, and then it has to translate translate on the court. Do you look forward to practicing when you haven't practiced for a while? Or things are well? I don't look forward to practice, but I think we need it. I mean, I think we um, we just need to get our habits, you know, back. And you know, there's no better way than practice for that. You feel good about the fact that this team has shown they can be great defensively together like you guys were earlier in the year? I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, but can we do it every night? Is it important enough? That's the, that's the real question. Thanks, Rudy. Guys, that's Rudy Gobert. Thanks. Let's go back to you. That's Rudy Gobert, 13 points, 10 boards uh, last night. Um, he was asked if he was looking forward to practicing. He said no, but they need it. Uh, let's now let you hear from Jeff Green. <laughs> um, right now we're low, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're not where we want to be. Uh, last six games, to me, um, we kind of took you know a couple steps back to what the progress that we had uh, going into uh, the beginning of that road trip. But um, you know the great thing about the NBA is uh, you know we got a couple games ahead of us that are games that we can win. Uh, we got two days to practice, which would be great for us to get back to our roots. Um, and you know we're gonna go in tomorrow and with a game plan to, you know, get better. Um, you know, we can't get too down on, us, on ourselves. It's, to me, it's still early in the season. Um, you know, we got to get healthy, uh, get Mike back. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to focus on our defensive end uh, communication. You mentioned communication defensively. What are some of those other glaring things that you want to address immediately as you have practice? At this point, everything, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but. It starts with communication. Uh, it starts with our transition defense. Um, I don't. I. I'm not sure how many points we gave up in transition for them, but uh, I got to say it's probably over 20. Um, but um, I think that's the start of it. That's that's the base of it. And uh, once we get in our half court defense, um, that's when the communi- communication factor kicks in. So um, you know, we we'll, we we'll start with it tomorrow. Like this team has that honest approach that they know what these are. We have to. We have to. We have to be honest with ourselves um, and really uh, be truthful, truthful with ourselves. Um, we know what we're doing wrong. We knew. We know what's uh, lacking in our defensive effort, and we just have to man up about it and um, you know take it in the chest, uh, get better, um, and you know continue to fight. How do you explain? The, the slippage on defense because you guys were pretty good at the beginning. No, we were of really season. good. I mean, we were you know number one in defense at a point in the season. Um, but I mean, that's the that's the season, man. Uh, it's a long season. You know, it's, it's highs and lows, and everybody goes through them. And we're just going through hours right now. So um, it's the obstacle we have to get over, and uh, I believe we will. That Laker 
team is the kind of caliber of team that you guys would face in the playoffs. How do you, do you use that as a measuring stick to say, hey, we need to get you know, a lot no, better this you don't, I don't. I, I personally don't care what they're doing. Uh, we have to focus on what we have to do. Um, the Lakers have their own agenda, and we have ours. And we right now we have to correct our approach. And, you know, when the time comes, uh, the playoffs come around, and we're facing them, uh, we're, we'll be ready. But right now we have to focus on, on our team. Guys, that's Jeff Green. Let's go back to you. That was Jeff Green, who actually got the start last night against Anthony Davis, played 23 minutes, had eight points, four rebounds, and two assists. The Jazz now uh, will face the Memphis Grizzlies at Vivint Smart Home Arena coming up on Saturday night. Late tip for that one. Later than usual, it'll start at 8 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.